Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give us their messages of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to the amazing Ginny Saraswati. Ginny's an entrepreneur, writer, and CEO of Ginny Media. She also talks freely on The Ginny Show about growing up as a gay Sri Lankan girl in Australia. Her show hasn't been on for a little bit of time, but it's very funny if you want to check it out. She's here giving you tips on how to go for your dreams and empower you to take that leap and walk through your fears, and that it's never too late to live your purpose and do what lights you up. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Ginny. Thank you, Laura. What an amazing introduction. I love that. Thank you. I feel so honored to be here. Yeah, I love the gay Sri Lankan girl in Australia. And I had so much fun listening to your old podcast. The sound effects and all of that are fun, but I actually enjoyed just listening to you. Oh, thank you. you talk about imposter syndrome in a way that is so relatable to everyone. And I don't understand. I guess I didn't listen to enough of them, how you ended up in New York City. <laughs> yeah, it's quite random, isn't it? You hear about, you know, such a personal autobiographical podcast of mine where I'm talking about growing up in Australia, you know, being an immigrant child, my mother uh, from Sri Lanka as well. We moved to Australia. You're right. like, well, hang on, how did the dots connect? So yeah, I did get that. <laughs> I mean, I see how you would fit perfectly yeah. with <laughs> all of your characteristics and your quirks and all of that, which yeah. I definitely related to. I'm not like New York City. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think for me, when I first came to New York City, it just felt like home. Like, and I watch movies now and, you know, when people go, I went to New York and I felt the energy and everybody rolls their eyes. That's literally what I said the first time I went to New York, went back to Australia. I'm like, there's just this energy about the city. And the people who didn't know about that were like, oh, well, tell me more. So I tell them more. And the people who'd been there just roll their eyes like, oh, yes, the energy. But I think for me, how I ended up in New York was when I first came here, like I said, fell in love with the city and I put the intention out like one day I'm going to move here. It just felt really like, where have you been all my life? Like it was more than just the energy of the city. It felt like this was a long lost friend I'd finally found. And I'm like, you get me and I get you. And it was just like this kindred spirit connection with a city. And then, you know, I was doing my day job. I was on a radio show. I did all these kind of things artistically and Ultimately, I started my podcast, The Ginny Show, which you listened to the earlier episodes. It was a creative outlet for me because on radio, you know, we were doing a breakfast show. So you had to do news, traffic and weather like you weren't able to have the time to explore random topics like I did on my podcast. So when I started the podcast, I ended up falling into being a producer, which then ended up me getting clients all over the world. Then I fell in love with a New Yorker because I kept visiting New York. I'm like, oh, fell in love with a New Yorker. Then I moved over to New York in December 2017 and haven't left it. So USA, you're kind of stuck with me for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. And are you still with her? No, we broke yeah. up a few years ago, but I think that it was, I mean, I have a lot of love and gratitude for her too, because I think, you know, even though the relationship as we knew it is no longer, there's a lot of love and appreciation for the fact that I was able to meet her, come to New York, experience New York, experience our relationship and then, you know, we went our separate ways and there's nothing but gratitude there for her. And I'm grateful that she was one of the reasons I moved here. So I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, you speak a lot about gratitude, which I love because I talk a lot about gratitude on the podcast all the time, too. So yeah. raises the vibration and we 100%. need that. Yeah, 100%. Sometimes when I say gratitude, people are like, it's not easy to get there. I'm like, it's not. Like I did my healing. I did my work after the breakup. But 
to get here, you've got to, gratitude does help. When you get to gratitude after all that pain and that healing that you need to do, it's kind of like the destination, which anchors you really into the present, right? And gets you forward. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it's so funny listening to your episodes and you're like, I'm going to be a doctor. And your family was like, yes. (laughs) So stereotypical. (laughs) And then you had to do dissecting. You're like, ah, that's out. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't like science. So that was going to be a problem. Yeah, it would be. (laughs) You wouldn't want me operating on you. if uh, if I'm (laughs) Definitely. And I'm the queasiest person ever. Ever. I always say I do not practice PI law at all. Do not tell me your physical symptoms in a graphic manner. Wow. There you go. (laughs) No doctor here. (laughs) So is, was this not allowed? Were you out in your family? Well, it's funny. There's, I don't know if you've gotten to that episode yet, but in Australia, Mm -hmm. on top of radio, I was asked to host a segment on a TV show in Australia called Bent TV. Now it was an LGBT TV show, the only one in Melbourne at the time. And it was on Monday nights at 10 p.m. And it was on Channel 31, which I believe is Digital 44. I don't know what it is at the current moment, if it's still around, but it was very synonymous for like community groups. So that channel had a lot of diverse communities showcasing programming for them. So a lot of Sri Lankans watched it, which meant that my family, of course, watched Channel 31. Little did I know they'd be watching gay TV 10 p.m. on a Monday night. But... (laughs) What happened was the segment that I hosted, I was interviewing, I can't remember who, but apparently or allegedly I said, my name is Ginny and I came out saying I'm a lesbian, which I didn't do. I don't think I've ever done that on publicly on TV because I haven't felt the need to do that because I was already kind of out in my own private communities or in general. So one of my aunties or my auntie who's married to my mom's brother, who's my uncle, watched it. And then the grapevine started called my other auntie. Did you know Ginny's gay? Called my other auntie. Did you know Ginny's gay? Went all around the grapevine. And my sister got a call going, hey, did you know about your sister? And it's just like, so I wasn't out, but it just, I was pushed out of the closet in a way that I didn't think I'd be pushed out of it. Of. Yeah. So that's how they found out. <laughs> the universe took care of it for you. It did. And I think it also for me, I think the fear around coming out, Lauren, was my identity was very much attached to what I love doing because the radio show I hosted was on a LGBTIQ radio station. The TV segment that I hosted was on an LGBT program. So I felt that if I completely came out to my family, I would have to give up. Then I remember having a conversation with my sister at the time. She said, maybe you should give up the media. And that for me was more crushing soul crushing than, you know, them rejecting me or my identity in any way, because I love creating, I love podcasting. I love conversing and connecting with other people, taking that away from me to say, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that was just, that was what I could not fathom. And that's what I think was, I was grieving at the time or fearing that I would have to grieve at the time. Well, it's clearly what you're meant to do because it's all taken off and you have the whole media company now and you're amazing at it. it Thank you, Lauren. I gravitated toward, to you by guesting on a show <laughs> and then going this, when I was sent all the graphic and the assets and everything, I went, this is some of the most amazing stuff I've ever seen. And I guessed a lot on a lot of different podcasts and I started doing sleuth work and going, who made all this? Who did this? And I found you and I went, this is just, I know how good you are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate that. I think I'm glad the universe did throw me out there. It's like, it actually isn't as bad as you think it is. It doesn't have to be all one thing, you know, and you don't have to give up anything, who you are, who you love or what you love doing. 
So that was a very, very big blessing for me that I look back and I'm like, thank you for doing that because I wouldn't have done it at the time anyway. <laughs> yeah. So what do you tell people that they know there's something that they want to do, but they're not taking that leap? They're not being true to themselves. And even they don't have to quit their day job or do something like that. But or maybe they're not sure what it is. What do you tell them that when they're like, wow, Ginny, you're so amazing. I wish I could be you. I mean, obviously, I say thank you for that. That's obviously always a compliment and so lovely to hear. I have been in that spot where, you know, something isn't quite right within you and you want to do something else or you want to try something else. But there's something holding you back. And typically that is because you're afraid of failure. Therefore, you're going to either judge yourself or fear being judged by someone else. That's the first thing. And the second thing, when we talk about imposter syndrome, Lauren, imposter syndrome, that doubt that I think that self-crippling hesitation, it always, always, always shows up on time, right? Just when you're about, you're right on the edge of a cliff, right? You're about to jump into a new venture. Imposter syndrome just shows up right next to you as like, what's up? How you doing? Are you know, <laughs> you're going to jump. It just shows up right on time. It's like that bad lover. It just comes to you at the most yeah. inopportune time, right? Yeah. But I think this is the thing. If you can get past the fact that what is the worst that could happen? So for me, starting Ginny Media, moving to New York, starting a business, the worst for me that could happen was it wouldn't work out and I would have to go back to working full-time. I've worked full-time at least five, six times in my life. I know what that sandwich tastes like. I'm good. I could do it for another year and start it again. So I think anybody who's scared of like taking the next step and it not working out, think about you now, like you've done it, you've lived it, you survived it. You can do it again. If this is the worst that it is for you, it's okay. You're coming back to square one, but don't judge yourself for it. Like That's applaud yourself for trying, you know, and nobody's judging you. That's the thing. You always think, oh, what are people going to think? Nobody's thinking about you. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. And I can empathize with the fact that, you know, you may have hesitations or reservations because might be your parents, might be your siblings, your family, your spouse who, you know, whose opinions you value. And when they say things, you know, they carry weight. So I get that. But the biggest weight that will be carried is the opinion you have of yourself over your spouses, your parents, your siblings, A, B, C, D, E. Once you get past that, once you get your head around that, it's like, okay, I can move forward. And I know that sounds so easy, but really, if you are looking to try something, think about your happiness, right? Life flies by so quickly, like time, you can't catch it and put it in a jar right? Because it's gone. <laughs> Once you do that, like you can't keep doing that every day because you won't get anything done or do anything. But it's just for me, like if anything that I've learned in the last 12 months is that life is so short. Like I've been on this earth for 36 years and I can remember my first day of elementary school where people thought my name, or I didn't know people knew my name was Virginia, right? I don't know if you've heard that episode, but I did. Yeah, so I remember that, but that was 30 years ago, dude. I'm like, where did the time go? And I just think that your happiness, if you make that a priority for you, everything else falls into place. And I think we do everything to circumvent our happiness a lot of the time. Yeah. How did you get so wise? <laughs> Very wise. For me, I just find that I think I've gone through enough experiences in my life to know that, you know, it's rough. Like people say to me, oh, aren't you kind of subscribing to the toxic positivity 
you know, culture that there is. And I Is that toxic? Well, here's the thing, Lauren. I can empathize with what they're saying because, you know, if something is going on, and I think for me, you know, losing my mum last year was a big lesson for me in toxic positivity. In the sense of not that of oh, trying to get up in the morning and start my day and be like, okay, my mum just passed away, like processing that, like not being like, oh, everything's okay and Pollyanna and you know, I'm just dancing like Annie every day. That wasn't the case for me. It was actually getting up every day and be like, you know what? Today, this is all I can do. That's it. I think the toxic positivity culture is like, you know, forcing yourself to be in a place or a state that you're not ready to, or you're simply not. I think that's where it's the force of it as opposed to the- you have to feel the feelings. If you don't feel the feelings, it's going to come out someplace else. It physically, you're going to get sick. I mean, there's going to, something's going to happen if you don't process your feelings. You either get sick or the universe will do something to be like, stop. (laughs) You got to deal with this. That's always scary to me. That scares me more than just processing. I mean, feelings peak for five minutes. I think I was the same age when my mom passed. It's been a long time, but yeah, it's just like, there's nothing you could do. Although it wasn't during COVID. Yeah. But I would have to fly back east to see her and it just sucked. There's no good way. It just, just no, your mom. Exactly. And I think for me, like my mom passed of Alzheimer's. She had it for the last Uh, nine years. But I remember the day I left, we were always very close growing up. And, you know, I was her baby. I'm the youngest in the family. And I remember the day I left for New York, like I saw her before I boarded, went to the airport, even though like she was still there and so she knew who I was. She could always recognize me. And I said to her, you know, I'll never forget you. Like you've done everything for me. And I knew in that moment she heard me because she started to tear. And like, I told her I'm going away, but I'll be back. So she got it in some sense. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I am just blessed that even though she was in her final stages during COVID and Australia had those horrible quarantine laws for 14 days. When I got that call from my sister, I'm like, gosh, I have to quarantine for 14 days. What if mom goes? Like that was an entire retreat. So what did you do during those 14 days? Here you are in Australia and each day not knowing if your mom, like if you could see her and she's so close, but yet. Yeah. It's just stuck in the hotel. Could people visit you or no? No, you couldn't even my hotel room. So I'll tell you the story. My sister rang me saying, listen, it looks like mom stopped eating. The doctor said she's at end stage. I don't know what that means. I'm like, what do you mean end stage? Is she dying tomorrow? They're like, we don't know. So it was all very up in the air. And it was our first experience losing someone in our family like that. So she said, just book a flight and get here. And I'm like, and there's these quarantine laws in Australia. You have to like quarantine for 14 days. So I was applying for an exemption to see like, Hey, my mom's dying. Can I not go through hotel quarantine? And then they called me the day before my flight saying, no, it's denied. Like you have to spend, we're not making any exemptions. This We're very, very strict on this. And so, you know, I landed in Sydney airport, the military take you into the bus and they take you straight to your hotel. Yeah. And it's my hotel room. Like you literally, you get your food for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Someone knocks on your door. You have to wait 30 seconds, put your mask on, open the door, get it, close the door. So you can't see anyone, talk to anyone. But it was bizarre because you look outside your window and everybody outside is not wearing masks. They're living their life. And it's like, wow, how bizarre. Like I just came from America where everybody was masked up, right? Everywhere they went. And I'm like, this is just so bizarre. And, you know, every day I went through thinking, is mom going to pass? Is mom going to pass? And I called one of my spiritual teachers and I said, I'm really struggling because I don't know how to feel. I don't know. Like tomorrow I wake up in the middle of the night, like, is she still here? And I hope I get to say goodbye. And then she kind of took me through a meditation to say, listen, it's not in your control. 
like if she's going to pass, because my mum's wish was to pass with my sister and me on either side. If she gets granted that wish, that's not in your control. And as much as I wanted that to happen, it's not in my control. So I had to really, you know, put hope out, prayers out and surrender. I'm like, if it happens, amazing. If not, I have to accept that. Like that's really the only choice I have right now. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened? So thankfully in the 14 days my mum didn't pass, I left Sydney, flew to Melbourne that day, went to see her. I got to spend 11 days with her. And on her last day where she was, you know, it was the last couple of hours of her life. Like I noticed she was breathing differently and my sister had quickly stepped out to, you know, get my aunt and uncle, same aunt and uncle who watched gay TV, which we still haven't spoken about, but I'll find a time with them to do that. And I said to my sister, mom's breathing really weird. I don't know. She just sounds like she's trying to say something. And there was just so many, we had to go back and forth a lot. I had to quickly run home change. Like we just didn't want to miss a minute with her. Right. And then, you know, her last breath was taken. Her wish was actually granted. My sister and I were on either side of her and we're able to say goodbye in that way and give her a lovely farewell before Melbourne went into lockdown again. So waiting is weird, Lauren, is what yeah. I learned in quarantine. It's like waiting to leave hotel quarantine and waiting for your parent to die is just a weird experience. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing, it's just, and then you're yeah. like, that's not really my mom. Yeah. <laughs> that was my, I'm like, that's not my mom. I don't know. It just, yeah. the whole thing. We were so, and none of this is COVID. So it's like, yeah. it's like, like whatever oh variable in there. Grief is yeah. just hard, period. Waiting is weird. Death is. It's- yeah. But in the meantime, like we are all alive and we get to live. And this all started because I was asking people like, why are we here? It was my own mm-hmm. soul journey. And they say nobody ever wished they worked harder or made more money. So it's about community and giving back and being there for other and also being true to ourselves. what it is that we do want to do. What's the hardest thing that you've been through? And how did you get through it? I would have to say that situation with my mom so far. But I think also as a kid, I don't think I've shared this on a podcast before. But so when I was eight, I was molested by someone very, very close in our family. And not many of my family members believe me, my mom did, which was obviously another huge reason why I grieve her loss because she was always there for me in that way. But during this time, I remember like, I didn't feel many people believed me. And when you go through something so traumatic as a child and as a child's mind trying to figure out what actually happened here, like, is my body lying to me? Am I actually lying? Like, cause you rely on adults to be a source of trust and to guide you. And then when people were telling you opposite things to how you were feeling, that paralyzing self-doubt stays with you for a minute until you go to therapy or do spiritual work and heal that part of yourself. Or both. <laughs> or both, right? So for me, I think that was the hardest thing I went through as a child. However, the other side of it, when I came out of that experience, it's helped me learn to really trust myself. And I think at the end of every experience, people will always project and give their opinions and share whether you want to hear them or not. Sometimes we hear it in energy, how they show up through their words, their actions, but you've got to go back to trusting yourself because that's where alignment comes from right? Like whatever you want to create, how you feel. If something's not matching here, it's not going to match out here. So that was the hardest thing I went through. And I think it's definitely given me a pathway to be more compassionate to people and to always not 
even though I may have an opinion, I don't want to jump and project my opinion on someone else's. You know, you want to hear their story and let them have a voice, which I think to your point, Lauren, like we all have a purpose here, right? I feel that I was put on this planet in some way, shape or form to build platforms for voice, which is why I do what I do. Yeah, that is what you do. It definitely is what you do. So what about you talked about alignment when you want to believe something one way? So, I mean, it's denial, I guess, is really what it ends up being. So you just can't quite get yourself. Do you then listen to friends or do you just wait until your head's out of the sand? What do you mean by denial? Okay, so you're talking about alignment. So you know something isn't right for you, but you're not there yet. (laughs) Do you listen to friends who are telling you, you shouldn't really be in this relationship or this isn't really right for you? Or, Or do your friends stay on that path until you're ready? With my friends, they are very gentle with me to the point where they, some are very gentle, some are not so much. They're like, listen, this is what's going down. For me, you know, I told you about, I just mentioned that self-paralyzing self-doubt that I had. It's just when my body feels a certain way, but my mind is telling me no. Right. And sometimes for me, when I'm at the gym, if I have to do one more rep or if I have to run one more mile, like that's a different conditioning to this doesn't feel good. This pain is unbearable. This is wrong. I just need to push my body a little bit more. There's a difference between the two, right? Yes. So that is already the misalignment there. Now, the denial that you talked about, I think we're very good at telling ourselves things or telling ourselves stories when they're not true. Our body is very, very wise. And I think we've forgotten that, especially as women, we've forgotten that like generationally as women, we've gone through so much trauma with our bodies our parents' bodies, our mother's mother's body. Like we've gone through a lot of trauma. So within our collective community of women, we have this trauma of not trusting our bodies, but our bodies have such wisdom in them. They are very, very akin to nature, right? When the sun's out, we love to be outside. When it's cold, we're indoors. We like go into hibernation. So it's starting there, like trust yourself, trust your body. And I think when people, and then, you know, have that source of community whose opinion that you value. Someone told me recently that she's an Olympian. She carries like a cube little post-it note and she writes the names of people that she values their opinion. And you can write as small as you need to, like people that you value. So whenever you're going through something where you're doubting, pull out that piece of paper and be like, I'm going to call Lauren and ask her about this. And like, that's the only people's opinion that count. Anybody else, they don't get to hear that. They don't get let into that. So I think for me, that's been really helpful to have people in your life who have your back, whether they be coaches or even mates, it really does help keep you aligned in that way. Yeah, uh, that's good. What do you do when you have a roadblock? Do you just pivot and, or what do you do? Roadblock, right? So when you mean like a roadblock, like a challenge or an obstacle? Yes, yes. Oh dear. So I have roadblocks every day as a CEO of Ginny Media. We have a team across 15 countries. So I feel like every day is different. Some days I'm more of a firefighter. Some days I'm more of a therapist. Some days I'm more of an operation. Like every day is a new thing. So I think when there's a roadblock, the first thing I do is, okay, what tool do I need to pull out of my toolkit today? And sometimes the tool isn't actually pulling out patience or kindness or empathy. It's like, you need to just sit on your moon pod and meditate for 10 minutes or go for a walk. So the roadblock can't be tackled until you first say, Hey, there's actually a roadblock I need to tackle. You can't circumvent that because do you remember that story of Oedipus Rex in the Greek 
mythology, like the path that he avoided, he was told about his destiny. So he took another path to avoid his destiny, but that pretty much led him right back to his destiny. It's the same thing with roadblocks and denial. Like when you're in a bad relationship, you can deny it so much, but it will get to a point where you cannot ignore it. So it's really up to you how quickly you want to learn, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Got to have one of those in order to understand yeah. that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So yeah, roadblock, it just depends. That's how I have to really check, okay, there's a roadblock. What tool do I need to use? And then it sounds very simple, I know. But typically when there's a roadblock, again, this comes back to not judging myself. I don't have all the answers all the time, especially when you're an entrepreneur who works by herself in her corner office in her apartment in New York. I don't have all the answers, but sometimes I call upon my coaches for help. Sometimes I call upon, you know, some business partners for advice, but typically you figure it out as you go and it may not work. It may not stick. Don't judge yourself. Try again. That's what I do. (laughs) Yeah. And who are your mentors? So I have a lovely team of mentors. So when I first started my business, one of my clients, Steve Schellenberger, he taught me the 12 principles of highly successful leaders. He wrote that book. So he's one of my mentors. My coach, Carly Fain, is someone I turn to quite a lot too. And then there's the mentors who I haven't met, but I've learned so much from. Your Oprah's, you know, your Shonda Rhimes, your Ian Levansant. Who else do I read quite frequently? Your Dr. Shafali's, Gabby Bernstein. So they're people that I constantly consume and listen to their wisdom. Jay Shetty's another one too. I would say they're my mentors, not by choice, not by their permission, but I'm like, yeah, yes, yeah. you're my mentor. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a message of hope you want to give? I do, actually. I think to anchor hope in your life, you've got to start every day with doing something hopeful for yourself. I know that's very cryptic, Lauren. So if you want to want to get me to explain. Yeah, do you want to explain? (laughs) (laughs) You like looked at me like, is that a message of hope, Jenny? Is there more to that? (laughs) Let's think about living in the moment. You know how Buddhists talk about let's be Mm -hmm. present. A lot of spiritual traditions talk about the power of presence. When we wake up every day, it's very easy to be in autopilot machine mode. We've got to go, you know, get something for the kids or we got to get ready, get something ready for someone else or do something for someone else or prepare for work that day. And I'm not saying have a whole morning routine like you read about, you know, the habits of the 5am club or something like that, but do something for you that morning. Like when you start your day, whether it be five deep breaths, like thank you for today or five deep breaths and go get your coffee and just chill a little bit. But that's just a gift that you give yourself. And if you do that every single day, by the end of the year, you would have given yourself 365 moments of presents or gifts for you. That's going to change you quite dramatically. You may be like, but that's only like a few seconds, Ginny, but You're being intentional and you're being present to you and you're starting every day as soon as you wake up with something for you. It's only going to build in time. (laughs) Absolutely. Do you do (laughs) gratitude lists? You speak about gratitude a lot. Yeah, it's something I do daily, Lauren. So part of my morning ritual and I've changed it. It adapts and changes according to how busy I am in the day. But typically my morning routine involves exercise, some form of meditation. I do a little bit of reading, but gratitude, I have a list of I write down 10 things I'm grateful for, well, 11 things actually that I'm grateful for. And I have a list of things that I've written down of, I'm already thanking the universe for that I haven't got yet. Thanking the universe for sending it to me when the timing is right. (laughs) So you have your manifestation practice also. I do. (laughs) I do. (laughs) What's the most common question that you get asked? 
how do you start a podcast? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That, <laughs> that makes, makes sense. sense. You're Jenny Media. Of course you asked that the most. And is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't know that I should have asked you? I think you've asked very insightful questions, Lauren, today. So I think you've hit it out of the park, really. I thought, okay, what if there's like some question I really, people are like, you didn't ask her that? <laughs> so I want to make sure that I covered it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. This was Lauren, so much fun. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. I love spending Friday night with you. <laughs> yeah. And we will have all of Ginny's links on the show notes and with everything else. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Ginny's messages of dreams, empowerment, and magic. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for speaker and leadership life coach, Matt Mills. Matt took that leap from Hollywood executive where he knew he wasn't fulfilling his inner purpose. He did his work and for the last decade plus, he helps you get clear on what your inner calling is and helps you step into your more fulfilling and aligned version of yourself. It's such a good episode. He has really great tips for you to get clear on what it is that's just off and how to take that step forward for whatever it is that you feel that you're called to do or what's off where you are right now. It's a great episode. You'll love that next week. I'd love to hear from you, what you liked on this episode with Ginny, what topics you'd like to hear, or if there's some change agents or leaders or healers that you'd like me to interview on here, just let me know. DM me, tag me on social media, or go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and send me a message. Thanks a lot. I'm Lauren Abram. Thanks for listening.